Welcome to the Monkey Mind Podcast, your number one platform for athletes and mental health. Hosted by myself, Danny Perez. On today's episode, we have Catherine Adamick. Catherine is a mental skills coach based out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. She is also a two-time Olympic medalist in short track speed skating at the 2010 Vancouver Olympic Games and has done research in sports psychology, nutrition, and exercise physiology. But before we get into today's episode, we have a quick word from our sponsor. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Daily Dose CBD Inc. Daily Dose CBD Inc. creates full-spectrum CBD products ranging from tinctures, bombs, and dog treats. Research has shown that CBD has successful results in aiding in the following areas. Anti-inflammation, anxiety, PTSD, help with breaking addiction, neuroprotection, epilepsy, arthritis, chronic pain, and sleeping disorders. Daily Dose makes an extremely safe and effective product that we know you will love, enjoy, and benefit from. Daily Dose has given Monkey Mind listeners 15% off all their orders. Head over to DailyDoseCBDInc.com and use promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off your purchases. That's promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off all your orders at DailyDoseCBDInc.com. All right, we have uh, Catherine Adamick on today, a uh, mental skills coach based out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, a two-time Olympic medalist in short track speed skating at the 2010 Vancouver Olympic Games where you won silver and a bronze medal. And you've also done research in sports psychology, nutrition, and exercise physiology. So uh, welcome and thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to, to chatting today. Yeah. Uh, if you could just please just give a more you know, in-depth background on yourself and a little bit more about you know, who you are and um, some of the work that you're doing right now. Sure. Yeah. So, so I grew up in the sport of short track speed skating. I, I don't remember when I learned how to skate, I was so young. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure a lot of your listeners maybe have that in common. Um, yep. and so I started speed skating very young. I was very lucky. I was very good at a young age. I got fast tracked and was invited to train with the junior Olympic development team in Marquette, Michigan when I was 16. So I moved away from home then, which is when I first interacted with mental toughness and what that means. Um, and really, I think a lot of players that move away from home, I, I work in hockey right now, but whether you're a skater, a player, a gymnast, a musician, whatever, when you first move away from home and the expectations of performance are weighing heavily on your shoulders, mental toughness starts to be the, the main words that come to mind on how a, a person can get through that. So my first Uh, introduction to how to be mentally tough was through my sport at a young age. I trained with the junior Olympic team or the junior development team, I should say for two years. And then I moved to Salt Lake city where I trained with the national team for five years. And during that time, I got to compete in the 2010 winter Olympics and I got a silver and a bronze medal. And again, like that's mental toughness is a daily thought. Um, how am I, am I tough enough? How can I be tougher? And then you just get those moments where all that's required right now is that you be tough, that you stay in position, that you get the last rep in, um, that you've stayed till the finish of practice, even if you feel like you can't make it, you know? And so that was my athletic experience. After I retired from speed skating, I started coaching and I learned that a lot of the mental toughness issues I was having, my mental weakness points 
uh, really could have been avoided with a little more aware coaching. And so that's become kind of this next passion for me is I still work with athletes. I want to help athletes perform the best they can, but let's talk about what that means mentally. And how's an athlete supposed to learn this athletes? I don't know anyone who's born confident. Confidence is something you learn. It's a skill that you develop. Um, so if I'm having an athlete who's struggling, I'm not just looking at that athlete like, oh, how can you be more confident? How can you be more tough? I'm looking at myself like, how do I coach this? How do I model it? How do I bring attention to it in a healthy, positive way? How am I clear with what I want, what I expect? Um, and I've really found that it's an art as well as a science through coaching. Yeah, I can only imagine. So I'm did your experiences with going through this mental toughness and, and figuring out your mental weakness points and the trigger points that you've noticed that you've um, experienced, did that play a, a direct role in getting into what you're doing now? Was it like, okay, this is something that I've kind of noticed with my life mm -hmm. and with my athletic career. And it's now this new passion that you have. Is it something that was like, okay, I want to help out the next generation and have them experience, you know, have the, the same experience be a little bit, you know, smoother sailing, I guess or had them figured out easier? Was that kind of, did it have any transition mm. translation of getting into that yeah. field or? That's why I started. Cause I want the next generation of athletes to have a better experience than mm -hmm. I did. But the reason that I stay with it is because I so genuinely believe that the coach is what makes the athlete have a positive experience. And it's just like going to school. And I think we've all had a teacher in a subject that we love, but we don't love to work for that person. And you mm -hmm. can feel how it really dampens your passion. And then we've all been in subjects where I don't know, I don't even care. I don't know anything about this subject, but I love my teacher. I love going to that class. And I think coaching can be the same way. So you get an athlete who's really passionate about what they do. They meet their sport at a coach who dampens that passion. Yep. That's, that's tough. And we can go the opposite. There are people who have, you know, maybe no aptitude for the sport they're trying to play, no real genuine long-term plans to go pro, but man, they love their team and they love their coach. Um, and so that is the reason why I stay because I believe that that positive experience for the athlete, I believe that experience is nine, 10 attempts, nine times out of 10 given to them by their coach. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with you on that. I think every athlete who's played sports at, you know, multiple levels for multiple years has had those same experiences of coaches who have instilled passion and instilled that, I guess, belief in them. And then there's others, there's others who I wouldn't say dampen it or take it away, but almost challenge it. Um, which is kind of something I want to talk about briefly here. And what are some of the things that you would tell athletes who maybe are in a position where a coach is really challenging them and really challenging their own personal belief? And then obviously, mm -hmm. I think, cause I think it's easy when you have a coach who's instilling that and, and firing you up. But what about if a player is going through a, an experience where, Hey, I'm, I'm really being challenged here and it doesn't maybe seem like a right fit and there's no opportunity to move or, or leave. How do you kind of um, help them yeah. push through those situations? Cause I think everyone, including yourself has been in a situation very similar to that. For sure. So I would encourage an athlete in that situation by saying that the only way to be trusted with more is to do a fantastic job with what you're doing. And I have this conversations with athletes often. It, hey, it is normal to be frustrated if you disagree with a coach's decision, but the coach is not going to change their mind if you're pouting about it. Mm -hmm. They're not going to change their mind if you're expressing your frustration and giving bad body language or negative self-talk around your teammates. The only way that coach is going to embrace you and trust you and give you the opportunities that you want is if you're doing an amazing job playing the role that you've been given. 
Um, and I think that's that's not just in sport. I, I can speak to this not being an athlete anymore. Sometimes I look around at my life and I just think to myself, hey, head down, keep going, which was very much a mantra of mine as an athlete. And if you don't like the way it's going, you can you can sit down and complain about it. You can put your head down and you can get to work. And that's the only way to get through the situation that you're currently unhappy with. Sitting and complaining will just mm. keep you there longer. Um, so I, I try to encourage us often of athletes is to really look, look at yourself. You're the only half of this situation that you can control. So you're going to have to be really on point with, with managing your half. And then again, just in my experience, as soon as I'm doing everything that is within my control, nothing else really bothers me. It's when I let the things out of my control bother me that my performance suffers. But if I'm focused on doing the things that I know support my performance to the best of my ability, there's nothing to bother me in the first place. Mm -hmm. I like that approach to what you said before about doing what you can with what you have. Um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of times with, with athletes, we feel like we have to do these great grand big things, but it's like, worry about what you already have. Cause you don't even have the opportunity yet to do the other things. Like especially with hockey, for example, I, I know that best, but it's like, if you get X amount of minutes, say three to five minutes a night, well, you can't really expect it to maybe put up two goals a game or get a few points a game, but Hey, maybe that's not what you need to worry about right now. You need to build that trust by doing the absolute best of your ability and being effective within those three to five minutes, let's say. Mm -hmm. So say instead of getting caught up with doing absurd things and getting absurd amount of points in such a little time, how about you just be the best that you can in whatever position that you're currently in, which I think is an important mind shift kind of change that can help athletes, you know, get out of what they're in or build more confidence within their coach and within themselves. Um, Absolutely. Well, and I think you really nailed it there with confidence that if I'm putting so much pressure on myself to do something spectacular and amazing in a teeny tiny time frame. Um, I don't know anyone who performs very well under that amount of stress and pressure, but if I'm looking at it with a, a healthier perspective of, Hey, I get three to five minutes a game. Make, let me make sure they're the best three to five minutes that I have. Um, that to me is the focus on again, mental shift. Are you focusing yep. on what you don't have? Or are you focusing on what you do have and yep. making the best with that? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I want to go back to, you know, developing confidence and um, kind of some deeper talking points there. But one thing I wanted to ask you just from, from your perspective now as a coach and when you were an athlete who was involved and being at the absolute top of the top in the world and then being an Olympian, what did you notice um, being there that from that self-reflection that you have and, and having this newfound perspective, the things that you had mentally that got you to that level? Um, mm. what were some of the attributes and some of the traits and you could talk yourself up all you want here. I'm giving you the floor to do that. So please, um, fill us in with what you feel like you noticed about yourself. That was exceptional, mm -hmm. exceptional from the mental game that you're like, okay, I think I had this attribute that really took me to the top here and, and helped me. Yeah. So I'm going to, I mean, I have, I have two answers to that question. And my first one is that I would rely on my preparation to give me the confidence that I needed. Um, Cause of course I'm going into a Olympic a final and my last 16 years of my life. That's been dedicated to this goal. It's all on the line. I got two minutes, you know, it's, it's a stressful situation, but I would sit in the heat box before my races and I would think, Hey, I, 
I, there are days in the summer I did 250 laps. There was one time I think I did 250 laps in a row. It was, it was stupid. Um, all the miles I'd ridden, all the warmups and the cool downs and the cold baths and the good food and the, no, I'm not going out. I have to sleep. And I would think back in, in those moments and I could not find stones that I had left unturned. And that gave me a lot of confidence that, that I knew deep in my heart that I had done everything in my power. I had controlled all my controllables. Um, and like I said, there's really nothing. If you've done that, you don't have time to be frustrated, but also what do you really have to be frustrated about? Um, the second way that I'll answer that question is you can imagine how exhausting of a lifestyle that was to literally feel as though, nope, I was perfect. Every breakfast, every lunch, every dinner, every warm up, every cool down, every workout, every set, it was exhausting. And it took a really big toll on me mentally and emotionally. Um, and so in the moment, while I had my, my tools in my tool bag to muster up confidence whenever I needed it in hindsight, I look back and I actually see that there is a lot healthier way to give the best version of myself to my training without making all of those mental and emotional sacrifices. Um, cause it's only in hindsight that we can see with 2020 vision and, um, and looking back now, I just think that there's a lot healthier ways that I could have maintained my focus or that I could have pumped my own tires rather than, you know, I was very compartmentalized. I didn't, I didn't have a lot of close friendships. Um, part of that's because I was so tight with my diet. I couldn't eat out. I was so tight with my sleep. No, I, I can't go to that party. Um, I was so perfect that it kept me from growing and expanding as a person even though I was really, really, really good as an athlete. Um, and now being a coach, wanting to help athletes achieve high performance and stay balanced. I think that there are lots of tools and strategies out there that'll help athletes do both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think balance is key. Um, it, it's, it's hard. Cause I try and think about this too. Cause I feel like if you want to be the best, you have to feel like you have to be all in and mm -hmm. you feel like you're never doing enough. And it's like, you gotta go the extra mile. Um, but finding that balance is key because I think it's important to have a life outside of your sport. And I think it's actually very healthy and can be a, a nice mental break from, from what you're doing. And then you come back more recharged. Um, mm -hmm. How would you suggest an athlete goes about finding that balance or how would you have gone about, I guess, that aspect of it differently? Well, I would have gone about it differently. First of all, just by being a little bit more brave and putting myself out there. Cause I think, uh, at some point you can also use your training as a mask, like, Oh, I can go to this party where I don't know anyone, or mm -hmm. I can do my extra three mile run. And it, it becomes kind of a facade, you know, of, of mm -hmm. just not being courageous enough, which is funny because I, I find that athletes have so much courage. If you're willing to go out there and have no idea if you're going to win or lose, you might get your butt full on whooped. Mm -hmm. You're still there. That takes a lot of courage. But then when you look at, um, you know, I'm going to go a couple ways with this. Maybe you have, maybe you struggle with test anxiety. You have the courage to, um, courage to go to a face-off, but you you're nervous for a test or you're nervous going to a social event. Um, this is what I mean when finding balance, because performance is not just winning your game or winning the race performance applies to the sport of life. Do you know how to be courageous under any circumstance? Do you know how to be focused and disciplined? regardless of the project that you're working on. It could be a physical project where you're trying to make a team or win a game, but that's not the only direction that all of these mental skills apply. 
Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you on that. Um, and I want to kind of segue now into the things that you mentioned on your website that you work with, some of the key points. Um, mm-hmm. I can list them over here. It's developing confidence, resilience, emotional stability, awareness, and self-reflection, which I really want to talk about that. Um, and the unhelpful self-talk, as well as the default thought patterns, which I think is a very interesting topic. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to start with that confidence. And we kind of touched on it earlier, but just kind of little tools that you give your athletes, um, just some tangible things that they can start implementing right away. What are some of those things that, you know, if you feel... Um, to, you know, talk about that, what, what mm-hmm. those are. Yeah. Um, okay. So here's my favorite phrase for confidence. Competence builds confidence. If you are attempting a skill that is above your level of competence, of course you won't be confident. You're not ready to achieve that at a high level yet. Even you know it, which is why you're struggling to be confident. Mm-hmm. But if you focus on the skills that you are competent at and you execute them well, you will have confidence because you're doing things that you feel confident in. So there, it's important to recognize the difference between a strength and a work on. So let's say that as a speed skater, I have a strength. I can go into corners really tight, but I'm working on exiting my corners really tight. Um, if I'm not feeling confident going into a big race against big competitors, I'm going to play to the skill that I'm good at. I'm going to tightly defend all my corner entries. I'm going to build speed on all my corner exits. Then when I go to practice next week, I'm going to practice wide entries and tight exits. Um, knowing full well, these are, this, this skill is not my jam. I'm still practicing. So I'm not going to try to do skills that I'm not competent at in a situation where I have to perform with confidence. I'm going to save those skills for when I'm working on them. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, let's say it's an Olympic semifinal. If you don't make the A final, you're done. You go home, do the skill you're not confident in. It doesn't matter because the other option is being finished. So, okay, there are times when you can really throw yourself out there. But again, that example I'm not asking myself to perform with confidence. I'm asking myself to make it to the A final, no matter what, mm-hmm. doesn't matter if you're confident, it just matters if you get there. Yep. Um, so being real with yourself and recognizing you're not expected to be perfect all the time. You're really not. You have the opportunity to choose um, kind of which version of yourself you're going to bring today. Some days you're going to bring the fullest, best, most confident version of yourself. Some days you're going to be not quite there. And that's okay. Cause you're working on it. It's not a strength yet. That's fine. But this is part of the process. This is why the process is hard to trust because it's slow and it takes a long time. Yep. What was it that you just mentioned about? Um, you call them work-ons. It was something versus work-ons. It was work- strengths versus work-ons. Okay. Your strengths for your work-ons. Okay. Cause I mm-hmm. want to touch on something about when you mentioned um, working on, you're really strong with going into the turns, but needed to work on coming out of them smoother. Yep. Correct. So with coaching now, I see a lot of the players at skill sessions, which are completely, these are work on sessions. We're here to expand our comfort zone. And you see yep. a few of them go through a rep and they yell at an expletive if they mess it up and mm-hmm. it's two or three in a row and they still mess it up. And I just completely stop everything. And I just raise my voice. I'm like, Hey guys, like, just so you're aware, this is the time to mess up. When you're mm-hmm. messing up, you're getting out of your comfort zone by you getting frustrated. That's actually being more detrimental than it is, you know, helping you develop. And I think that's an important thing to, to mention to athletes and to all the athletes that are listening when it's time for that skill development. And you mentioned it, and I'm happy that you, you brought this up. That's the time when you want to work on these things. And you should understand and be able to dif- differentiate in your head 
okay, I shouldn't expect myself to be overly confident. Like you talked about, this is a time for me to work on this and then develop the confidence through constant, you know, repetition of the skill. But I feel yeah. like athletes kind of get so frustrated with themselves when they're trying to do something that's out of their comfort zone and they're messing it up and then they get more frustrated and it's like a compound yeah. effect. And I think it's important to say, Hey, when you're trying to work on these things, take it out of your head that you're expected to be good right away. Yeah. I think a lot of people tend to beat themselves up. Absolutely. Absolutely. So here's, here's a couple things to that. So first of all, if an athlete is listening, the best way to, to go about working on this is to write down your three strengths that you, you know, you can play well to and your three work-ons. And then when you kind of grade yourself, and I was a very analytical athlete, so I'd recommend sitting down and self-reflecting at least once a week. If you're, if you love it every day, um, but at least once a week and saying, okay, your strengths grade yourself a through F. And because they're your strengths, those should all be A pluses. Then you take your work-ons and write down for each work-on, what did you learn about this work-on this week? And what you'll find is that people are so frustrated that they didn't do a good enough job at their work-ons that they completely forget to do a great job with their strengths. They're grading themselves C, Ds, and Fs on their strengths because they're not even thinking about them. They're putting all their eggs in their work-on basket, which you don't need to be good at yet. We already know you're still working on it, right? And, and it's like by being overly focused on what you can't do, you waste all that energy that needs to be going towards what you can do. And then you go to skill session and you say, for the next hour, I'm not going to do anything that I'm good at. I'm already good at it. I'm only going to work on things that I need, I need to work on. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to answer that question in a second way, because this is a big thing we talk about um, here in Milwaukee. I work with the Milwaukee junior admirals. And we talk about if you want a player to be motivated as a coach, I would even say as a parent or as a teammate, if you want a player to be motivated, the quickest way to kill their motivation is to yell at them for messing up. Cause if they're just working on something, they're supposed to be messing up. That's expected. I want that. I want you to be trying so hard that you make mistakes so that you're ready to perform under pressure on game day. But what I see in practice a lot is that a player messes up and a coach, a teammate, or a parent is like, hey, what's wrong with you? What are you doing? Nah, nah, nah. Now that, that player, they're afraid to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And that's going to either impact their play because they get conservative. They don't want to goof up. They don't want to get yelled at. Or they confuse being hard on yourself with motivation. You're not more motivated if you yell an expletive every time you mess up. That's actually the opposite of being motivated. You're more motivated if you immediately self-reflect. How could I have done that better? Oh, okay, I'm going to do it like this. And then you go do that. That's the motivated athlete. Mm -hmm. The one yelling in the corner pouting, that's not mental toughness, not even close. And yeah. athletes learn that behavior from their coaches. It's so critical that we model good behavior to mistakes, our own mistakes, as well as our athletes' mistakes, and that we teach them. Mistakes are part of this process. They're here for you to learn. That's it. That's yeah. their only goal. Um, if we could teach our players that, it wouldn't be embarrassing to mess up. It wouldn't be a big deal to make a mistake. It would be acknowledged and encouraged as yep. part of the process. So that's why as a coach, I want everyone to understand you can learn how to practice these mental toughness skills. You're not born with them. You learn them and they're part of your behavior. Mm -hmm. When I, as a coach, change my behavior, my athletes understand what good behavior looks like, and then they can start to copy that. That's what we want. I like that. That wasn't something I really thought of uh, too in-depthly on um, how, you know, players really look and see 
the coach's demeanors as well, not just by mm-hmm. what he's saying, but kind of his how he carries himself when it, you know, when a mistake is made. And I think, you know, you, like you said, you create more conservative players. And I think that that's a big thing that the best players I feel like are the most creative and are willing to try things because mm-hmm. then you're really expanding your, your limitations. And when you're scared to make a mistake all the time, you're not going to get better. Um, I think it's important to always reiterate that in practice. Like, hey, if you mess up, it's okay. You know, like, that's yeah. fine. This is the time to, to work on these things. And that's, in, you mentioned self-reflection. Is that how you work on self-reflection is by taking those mistakes and seeing, okay, where did, where did I mess up? How do I get that better? Um, is mm-hmm. there, you know, deeper process to that? Or um, how do you yeah. kind of attack that? That's that angle of things. There are a couple ways because everybody is different. Not everyone is super analytical. They don't like that grading system. Mm. Um, Some people are incredibly analytical to the point where they analyze to their own detriment. So the first answer to that question is to find a self-reflection process that works for you. Um, The one that I recommend that actually um, goes into one of the points you brought up, which is that positive self-talk. Whatever you're saying to yourself, Maybe you missed a shot and you're, oh man, I suck. Whatever you're saying, why? Why do you suck? Because um, if you stop it, I suck. That's like, it's just making a judgment on yourself. It's just putting yourself down. And it kind of gives you an easy way out of having to fix anything. But if you say, why did that suck? Well, that sucks because I, I rushed it. You know, I wasn't calm. I wasn't composed. Okay, now you know why. How do you fix that? Well, can take a deep breath before I go. I could visualize it before the next set, whatever comes to mind for that athlete. And then the last thing is who can you ask for help? Because sometimes you take a breath, you visualize, you fix it. Perfect. But sometimes you try and try and try. You can't figure it out. That's okay. That's why coaches exist. Who can help you? Who can you ask? Um, So there's that three-step process. Why are you going through whatever you're going through? What can you do about it? Who can help you? Okay. Awesome. That's great. And then as far as the default thought patterns, I really want to talk about that. Mm -hmm. I think that that's something I've noticed. You, I want you to go into it first before I kind of mention how I've noticed it with me, but I want you to talk about those default thought patterns and, and what exactly that is. Yeah, absolutely. So every human brain has what's called a, a default Oh shoot. I'm going to forget the name. No worries. Under yeah. right no now. Worries. Uh, more or less a default network. Um, and it's kind of how you can drive somewhere and you get there and you didn't really pay attention yep. to your drive. You, you can just go on default. The brain is designed to take in important information, but if it took in every single piece of information all the time, you'd be in overload. Mm-hmm. And so when your, when your thought patterns go into this default mode, um, two things happen. First of all, your default pattern is a, it's a side effect of your conditioning. So if you've been training with a coach who yells at you every time you make a mistake, your default without even thinking about it is going to be to be mad and frustrated whenever you make a mistake. That's going to be your pattern. Uh, That being said, humans already have what's called a negativity bias for every eight or nine thoughts that pop into your head. Let's say nine for every nine thoughts that pop into your head. Eight of them are negative. One is positive. This can be a good survival skill when you're constantly, when you're a caveman and you're constantly looking around for things that can kill you. But right now we're actually very, very safe. Only seeing eight of eight negative things out of nine puts us in a really negative headspace. So our default pattern, it's already pre-wired to be negative. And then you get into a negative environment and that gets even worse. 
So there's a term I like that is nice and easy to remember. What fires together, wires together. So if every time I make a mistake, I get yelled at, I represent mistakes with getting yelled at. And now I'm afraid of making mistakes. Um, if I want to, if I want to change that pattern, I might say, um, Hey, I suck. Why? Why do I suck? Well, I suck because I hate making mistakes. Why do you hate making mistakes? I'm afraid I'm going to get yelled at. Okay. Now we have a real why you're afraid of getting yelled at. What can you do about that? Um, you know, as a youth athlete, not much really. Um, you can pretty much just take a deep breath and, and be kind to yourself and you can ask who could help me. Maybe your parent could give you some advice on how to take harsh feedback better. Maybe it's a teammate, maybe it's a teacher. Um, but then you start self-reflecting. What is the problem actually? What can I do about it? Who can help me? Yeah, that's great. I think that's important. Um, it, it all, it's essentially just taking exactly what the circumstances and breaking it down into smaller pieces and figuring out the root issue of the problem and just really dissecting it and, and actually helping the athlete themselves figure it out um, why they're reacting a certain way and how they can go about it differently as opposed to just giving them the answers. I think we have the answers within ourselves yeah. and, and that's what, um, that's why I think that this, the mental skills and performance coaching and the sports psycho psychological coaching and that side of it is so important because it, even from a, a clinical perspective, a clinical psychologist who works with maybe not athletes, just people going about their day-to-day -day life, it allows them to, you know, it allows the person to be walked through and helped figure out themselves exactly what they're going through. And, and it's just taking these big moments and breaking them down into smaller um, events and figuring out why did I react this way and what can I learn from this and, and how can I change it for the next time and, and giving them those tools that we mentioned you know, so when it happens again, they're able to tackle it in a different perspective, different mindset and from a different angle. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I love how you said, um, you know, again, back to coaches, a coach's job is not to give the right answer. A coach's mm -hmm. job is to ask the right questions yep. so that the player will know the answer. So the athlete will know the answer for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I will say it is very, sometimes it can be very difficult to self-reflect by yourself because there's this tendency to just be hard on yourself. Yep. So I'm thinking of a, a, a athlete I worked with who she had this, Oh, I suck self-talk okay. and whatever she was telling me about, okay, well, why are you struggling with that? She says, well, cause I'm lazy. And I'm like, you're not lazy. Okay. Yeah. I know this girl, she's not lazy. Um, but she, she reminded me that there's a difference between a reason and an excuse. If I suck because I'm lazy and let, let me clarify, excuses are personal reasons are more objective. So if I suck because I'm lazy, that's a personal thing. That's, that's an excuse. If I suck because I forget to keep my head up when I'm stick handling, that's a reason. And we can train keeping your head up all day long, but we can't do anything about I'm, I'm lazy. So lazy is an excuse. It's the end of the line. There's nothing you can do versus this is the reason why. And that's such a more healthy way to look at it. Because first of all, there's actually a solution to your problem. But second of all, that solution doesn't require you to berate yourself or think less of yourself in the process. That's not what sports are for. Yep. Sports are made for you to be happy, to push yep. yourself, to compete, to thrive. They're not for all the negative side effects that we're seeing in our culture nowadays. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why I, you talked about this, the, uh, the reflection, it's hard to do it by yourself. And that's why I think it's important that all athletes do 
you know, find that exterior outlet to let these things, you know, out and get, and get that feedback. That's why I think this role of, you know, the sports psychology field is so important. The mental skills field is so important because it allows you that unbiased feedback to help you navigate this. And, and I think that that's, that's fantastic what you just said about that story, because I think a lot of athletes are very hypercritical of themselves. And I feel like the higher you get up, the higher, you know, in the, in the levels that you get, athletes become more and more, you know, self-critical of themselves. And um, more times than not, it becomes more detrimental than anything than, than more positive. Um, I think I lost you there. You got me. Yeah, okay, okay. I can. I still hear you. Okay. Yeah, I just think that it's important that you know athletes um, have this. So interesting. Feedback. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I'll, I'll let you go. You're good. Um, I was going to say how interesting it is that you. Say it. it goes back to that idea that you know being harder on yourself doesn't mean that you're more motivated it's actually the opposite it's a very unhealthy mental skill it's mm -hmm. being able to yell at yourself and cuss at yourself that's not tough that's actually unhealthy um when it's overdone right when anything's overdone it can become too much um and i'll just say to any athletes that are listening if you struggle with this i want you to think about how this applies this way of thinking applies to your life after sport because age comes for all of us it's not a matter of if but when when you're turning in a big project to your boss, are you going to kick and scream and hate yourself over your work that you've done? Um, if you miss a deadline, are you going to scream in the middle of a boardroom and a, a, a and cuss word? How, how are you going to handle this in yep. your life? And, exactly. and that's where I really figured it out. Like, oh, these things are unhealthy and unhelpful because yep. they don't apply anywhere yeah. in the world. They don't even really apply in sport. It's just that they're common in sport, mm -hmm. but then you try to apply these mental health, health skills that don't work outside of sport and you see how dysfunctional they really are. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm so happy that you mentioned that. Um, I think like, as an athlete, my whole life, I've, the only thing I cared about was ever really hockey as far as like things I was super passionate about school. I, I mean, quite, I'll be completely honest. I, you could have given me an F in math. I would have cared. I could care Same. less. Like, yeah. If I would have messed up just one shot in practice, I would have cared way more about one shot in practice than I would have cared about an F on a math test. There's any, you know, from first through college, I don't care. So, but it's like, that's why that transition from being an athlete into being a normal person, you notice these things that you did and the way that you attacked yourself and how hypercritical you were as an athlete, they translate into the next phase of your life. And, mm -hmm. you know, you just talked about it. These, these things that you do affect you and they become more detrimental and they're really obvious in your day to day. And that's why these mental mm -hmm. skills that you can develop can help you once you're done playing your sport. It's just literally navigating how your self-talk is and how you are as a person. And then the way you implement it is whatever the activity is. It could be your sport. It could be your job. It could be an activity you do outside of it, a hobby, whatever mm -hmm. the case is. It's just that makeup that you have with your brain and, and that the way you talk to yourself, the way you operate and the way you think that can really affect your success in anything that it is you do. That's why I constantly want to reiterate the importance of this and um, mm -hmm. how important it is to get this information and you actually utilize it because it can be super effective. Absolutely. Well, I think it's funny is, um, and I think I know coaches say this all the time. If only I had known what I know now yeah. when I was competing, how much better I would have been. Yeah. And um, so you're right. It is 
it is such a critical step. But again, if we're thinking about how do these mental skills apply to your life and if, what if I were to tell you that I could teach you five to 10 skills that will make you a better person, a better athlete, uh, a better girlfriend or boyfriend, a better wife or husband, son or daughter, all those things. And you'd know how to play under pressure. You'd know how to manage stress effectively, how to respond to emotions. Like who doesn't want that? Mm-hmm. Everybody wants that. And I just don't think that people realize if that's what you want, all you need is five to 10 minutes a day of mental skills training. That's it. Yeah. The, the path is simple, but it's not easy. It's not easy to carve out 10 minutes every single day, but it is very simple. Um, and so if, if change, that's what we're talking about. If change is something that an athlete really, truly deeply wants, if you want to be different or better than you are right now, you have to do something differently. Um, and I would suggest starting with mental skills because it's the only, not the only thing, one of the few things that's guaranteed to help in every avenue of your life. And that's, that's just a good value. I mean, um, nutrition could be said the same way. If you want to do, if you want to feel better in every single walk of your life, check your nutrition because yeah, you'll be a better athlete. You'll get through harder workouts. You'll have more stamina, more energy, all that but you'll also sleep better. Um, your, your mood swings will go away. Uh, like there's lots of your health, your general health and wellness would be better. It applies to every Avenue. Um, so mindset and nutrition are the two areas. If you have five to 10 minutes a day, you have time to be better. Mm -hmm. No, I couldn't agree more. Like you mentioned it. Yeah, it could be hard, but you know, choose your heart. I'm sure you've heard that. A lot of people have heard that. I, I love that quote. I think it's, uh, a lot of things in life are hard, but this is something that, yeah, may be a little difficult at the start to get adjusted to, but at the end of the day, it's going to have way more positive effects than, than anything else. Um, and I don't want to take too much of your time here. I want to kind of switch gears a little bit to a different topic here, just uh, before we um, close up, just transitioning from being a speed skater and a speed skating coach to becoming a hockey skating coach. Um, what was that like? And kind of just dive into the work that you're doing now with the Milwaukee Junior Admirals. Um, and just kind of, you know, going from you know, speed skating and speed skating coach to hockey skating coach, how different that was. Yeah. The biggest thing I, I had to get used to was that speed skating is a sport of perfection. You want to do 10,000 perfect reps and that's the perfect race. Whereas I, my outsider's perspective of hockey is that it's a sport of mistakes and how quickly do you recover? Um, and so, especially when we're talking about getting frustrated with mistakes and the expectation that an athlete should be able to do something perfectly. That really, that really resonated with me because I had come from this sport where perfection was expected into a sport where you're not expected to be perfect, but you're expected to do something about whatever situation you're in right away. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a different pace, obviously it's a team sport versus an individual sport. So there's a different mindset here. Um, that being said, I've thoroughly enjoyed the hockey community. I've married a hockey player and I, I work, uh, for the Milwaukee junior admirals, as well as for a company called scores edge. So I do a lot as a coach, I've got my work for those two organizations. And then I also have my LLC, which is called fix your mindset. So all of my mental skills coaching, um, I work with clients through fix your mindset for scores edge. That's all of my weight room track workout and on ice work. And then for the Milwaukee junior admirals, I do a parent, player and coaches education series. So once a month we get together and we talk about these skills, we talk specifically, how do you help an athlete develop confidence? What do you need to do at home? How do you help that player learn to think? 
instead of just saying, oh, you know, I'm only going to give you a four out of five on this assessment because you need more confidence. How do we build that? So that's kind of the work I do in all my different buckets. Awesome. And I was just going to ask you too, if you can um, plug um, your business, plug your LLC that you do sure. this uh, mental performance coaching. It's Fix Your Mindset, correct? And I believe the website's yeah. fixyourmindset.com. If you could just plug that in there and let everyone know where they can reach out to you and utilize those services. Sure. Yeah. And I'll uh, let you know too. And, and anyone listening. Um, so a lot of these things that I'm talking about, the ways to develop these skills, there are tons of apps out there nowadays that nowadays that will help you do that. First and foremost, like I said, five to 10 minutes a day, pick an app, pick one that resonates with you, visit it all the time. Second piece, I just so happen to have used an app called Vision Pursue. The majority of my website, the things I'm talking about, creating resilience, emotional stability, confidence, all of that. I use, the, I, I recommend the Vision Pursue app and part of my coaching includes that curriculum. Um, so if someone is interested, like, hey, I want to get started, tell me what I have to do. Check out my website, shoot me an email, I'll get you set up. You can set up by yourself. You can just download the app from the app store. Uh, but if you do feel like you need a coach or just an outsider's perspective, like I said, shoot me an email. I'll get you set up and answer your questions. Awesome. That's great. And um, again, thank you so much for taking the time to come on here and, and open about your personal experiences and, and just have this conversation. And I think there's been a, an incredibly large amount of value here that's going to be put out to the listeners. So I can't thank you enough for, for, coming on here and talking about that all. And um, yeah, it was a pleasure talking with you. And Absolutely. Yeah, can't, can't thank, thank you for you having me. me.